Turn please to the book of James. James chapter 4. Then we're going to 1 Peter chapter 5. James 4 and verse 6. Says he, God, gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud. And gives grace unto the humble. Now, God gives more grace. Is there more grace to be had? Does God want you to have more? Would that affect your life? Would you know it if you got more grace? Oh, no question. No question. With enough grace, you can receive anything. With enough grace, you can overcome anything. With enough grace, you can be anything that you need to be. More grace added to your life means that what was difficult and hard now becomes easy. And what was impossible becomes reachable. Anybody volunteer for some more grace? (laughs) Well, who gets the grace in the next phrase here? Who doesn't get the grace? The proud don't get the grace. The humble do. Are you interested in humility? What would you consider yourself? Proud person? Humble person? (laughs) Somewhere in between? (laughs) You know... uh, So many do not see the importance and value of humility. If you say we're going to have a healing campaign, we're going to have a prosperity meeting, man, folks line up and want to go. If you say we're having a humility meeting, (laughs) would people initially be as excited about going, oh man, let's go learn how to be humble. Yes, yes. But if you had wisdom, you would be. If you understood what mattered, you would. It'd be one of the greatest things you desire. He said in verse 7, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Skip down to verse 10. He says it again. Do what? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And what will happen? He shall lift you up. I'm going to say this phrase and you're going to see it as we look at other scriptures and things. But In the world, the world's way is self-promotion. Self-promotion. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Uh, You know, if you don't toot your own horn, it won't be tooted. (laughs) None of these are scriptures. Right? That is the way of the world. Is to put yourself forward. To put yourself out there. And to, to climb the ladder and to get more advertising about yourself out there and self-promotion, self-exaltation. But that's not the way God's kingdom works. In God's kingdom, the way up is down. What do you mean? If you humble yourself, what'll happen? He will exalt you. He will lift you up. Go with me to 1 Peter, 
the fifth chapter. First Peter chapter five and five. First Peter five, five. He said, likewise, you younger, submit yourself. Submit yourselves unto the elder. Who's going to make them submit? They're going to submit themselves. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and gives grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Who's going to humble you? You know, I've heard people say, oh, man, don't pray and ask God to teach you humility. Whew. Because some of the most terrible things that are going to happen to you, you know, and God will humble you. That's wrong thinking. I said, that's wrong thinking. Learning about humility, there's no downside to it. It's wonderful. And having problems does not necessarily teach you humility. You can have the most awful things happen in your life and be more proud than ever. You don't have to humble yourself because something bad happens to you. You can humble yourself, the better things get. You can humble yourself more. It's up to you. Who's going to humble you? Who's going to humble you? Humble yourselves. Who's the understood subject in that sentence? You. You humble yourself. Who's going to do it? God's not going to do it. Other people's not going to do it. If you don't do it, it won't be done. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Why? To what end? That he may exalt or lift you up. When? In due time, which is almost always later than your flesh wants it to be. Because <laughs> if it was up to your flesh, you would exalt yourself some today and then again some more tomorrow and then some more tomorrow. The Lord's not opposed to us being lifted up. He's just opposed to us doing it. He's not opposed to us being exalted. He has big plans for you and I. That involved some high and lofty places. He has plans for promotion for us in this life. Do you believe it? But his plan is not for you to put yourself there. Or for you to exalt yourself. Do what? Humble. Everybody say humble yourself. Humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you. When it's right. Right time. Right way. When he does it. It'll be good. It'll bless you. It'll bless others. When you do it. It's early. It's wrong. It's not right. Hmm? It hinders. Gets in the way. Go to Matthew the 11th chapter please. Matthew 11. 
And we see Jesus talking about this, the master. If this is the will of God for us, then the perfect example of this is going to be the master himself, Jesus. And he was and is. Matthew 11 and 28. Jesus said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't say, I'll make it harder. He said, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Everybody say, learn of me. What does that mean, learn of me? Learn about who I am, what I am, how I am. And then of all the things he could bring up of what he is and how he is, what's the next thing he says? Learn about me. Who I am, what I am. Learn about me. How many think one of the most important things you could ever learn is learning about him? Not what religion thinks he is. You know, it's so ridiculous that Christians let unbelievers tell them what God is like. (laughs) I've seen it over and over again. People try to judge Christian or judge believers. You should be doing this. You should be. And they just got through saying they don't even believe in God. How's somebody who don't know God going to tell you and me how to live for God? But it's going on. Learn of me, the master said. And of all the things he could have mentioned right off the bat from saying learn about me. He says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. This is the exact definition of humility. Lowly. Humble. The word, if you look it up in the Hebrew words, the the Greek words. It literally means to go low, to make low or go low. I like that phrase, go low. (laughs) You feeling a little too big for your britches? A little bit too important? What do you need to do? What do you go low? Go low. What does that mean? We're not talking about self-deprecation. We're not talking about being down on yourself, as we're going to get into some detail as we go. We're into this for the long haul now. We're going to lay some work here today and as we can come in the weeks to come. This is one of the most important things I believe the Lord's ever shown me. And I believe one of the biggest keys to you and I being used of God and getting the full plan that he has for us. Humility means to go low. One definition is to bend the knee. To bend the knee. To bow. To go on your knees and to bow is the perfect picture of humility and also worship. Isn't it? True worship involves humility. The two go hand in hand. You can't worship God proudly. (laughs) And see, the more proud a person is, that is against their nature to bow their knee. That's why, you know, we don't, one reason, among other things, we don't do as much applauding 
as some folks do. Because I don't consider it to be respectful enough for the Lord. Now, I can give you a hand. You can give people a hand. But when it comes to the Lord, I believe it should be more reverent. People say, well, the Bible said clap your hands, all you people. Yeah, in connection with song. You'd be hard-pressed to find one scripture that talks about applause. Applauding. I know it's very common, I know, but still. Should you render to God exactly like you render to a man or a woman? We applaud politicians and, and we applaud people. But if it's God, the Bible says he would, men everywhere, lift up holy hands. How many know that requires more humility? I might give you a hand, but I'm not going to raise my hands to you. Right? Because that's, that's humbling myself under you and exalting you, but it is appropriate with God. And I believe what's happened with a lot of folks is that they have substituted lifting of hands. Instead of that, they applaud. They clap. They don't lift hands, but they do clap. Study that for yourself. But don't just do a passing study. Look at it closely. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, that's reverent. Right? That's showing a measure of humility and respect that we don't show to men. And if, let's say I'm speaking and preaching right now. If some anointed revelation comes out of me, should you give me a hand and applaud me for that? If it was God, you shouldn't. If anything, we raise our hand and go, thank you, Lord. Forgiving us that through Brother Keith. But you don't give me the credit. And you don't applaud me. I think it's the same thing if a singer or a player. Now if you're just talking about a secular performance. And they're demonstrating their ability to sing and play. Well okay I guess you applaud them. But if God moves through them. If there's an anointing. If things are happening. Then you shouldn't just applaud them. Right? You should acknowledge the God that's working through them. And on them. And lift your hands. Give glory to God. Thank him. For using a vessel. The word. Humility. Or humble means. To make low. Go low. To bend the knee. To bow. Now pride. Is the opposite of that. Pride means. Involves the idea of lifting up, raising up, exalting oneself. One of the words is translated pride is puffed up or enveloped in smoke. <laughs> Inflated is another word. Inflated. Now we have modern phrases we use. Full of hot air. That's a technically correct description. Full of themselves. Which could also be hot air. And smoke. 
So the proud person is going to be the person who is a facade, but not what needs to be behind it. A big show, but not substance. Humility is the opposite. Lacking the show, but having the substance. Which would you rather be? Would you rather have an amazing, brilliantly designed and colored label on your can? With nothing in the can? (laughs) Or would you rather have no label, but something really good in the can? Inside the can. Well, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's also one of the reasons that we're not big on titles around here. Apostle this, bishop that. Why? Well, we need to show respect and we need to respect the call, but I don't see it in the scriptures where they use titles for themselves. Paul said repeatedly that he was an apostle and that was his job description. That was his call, but you can't find one place where he used it as a title as I am the Apostle Paul. Now we've used it that way, but he didn't. Do we have to watch about traditions and things that people just start doing and because it sounds good and people think it's okay, but it can actually be contrary to the scriptures. Jesus said, call no man on earth your father. Didn't he say that? That's talking about your spiritual father. So we shouldn't call ministers father, Jesus said. He said, you got one father. He said, don't call men masters or great teacher. He said, you're all brothers. And we'll use that term more than anything else. Brother so-and-so. We're all brothers. But uh, titles can be a pride issue. You know, so we've had sometimes folk that have joined us and, and they're going to help in the church or they're going to be on staff even sometimes and want to know, well, what's my, uh, what's my job title? Uh-huh. You don't have one. <laughs> you just do whatever we need you to do. <laughs> well, I need to know what my title No, you don't. You don't need to know what your title is. Our ministry, for the first 20 years of our ministry, was three words. I got it back in 1981. Help Brother Hagen. And man, that covered a lot of ground. As we found out over the everything from singing on the platform to finding a loaf of bread at 11 o'clock at night. It involved a lot of things. But uh, we shouldn't be hung up on titles or being seen or being known. Being important, right? Being noticed. Well, they don't appreciate my gift. Maybe it ain't all what you think it is. <laughs> and uh, even though you may be called to something, that is not the same thing as operating in it. Even though you might be called to something, you got to be trained and developed. What Jesus say? Learn of me. Why? 
What kind of person is the master? I am meek and lowly. You could say humble. Same thing. Meek and humble. Meek and lowly. How many believe Jesus is not, never was, puffed up, full of smoke? Never. Never. What's the opposite of being puffed up and full of smoke? Having your feet on the ground. Being able to see and know. Not living in a fairy tale. Not living in a self-exalted imagination of how things are. Go to Romans 12, please. Romans 12. You believe this is a big subject? It is. Is the Lord helping us with it? He's going to. I want you to believe with me from start to finish, from now to when, as long as it takes. Some great things are happening in us. And the Lord's preparing us for what he's prepared for us. And one of the greatest determiners of how much we get used of God is what we're talking about right now. Our humility. If God's going to accomplish some substantial things in you and through you, it won't just be you. It'll be his grace. Right? In you and on you. Right? And those, you know, Paul said this. He said, I have labored more abundantly than them all. Talking about the other apostles? That sounds like a huge statement. But immediately he says, yet not me. It wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was in me and with me. So the people that have been used of God to accomplish the most are the people that have been graced the greatest. And who gets this grace? And who gets more grace? The more humble. The humble get the grace. The more humble get the more grace. Can you see that? (laughs) The really humble get really more grace. Right? It is. It's connected. (laughs) The little bit humble get a little bit grace. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Keep going. Be not conformed to this world. This world is full of itself, isn't it? Oh, proud, haughty. Because mm. the God of this world has breathed his nature. He, the devil is saying, come learn of me. I'm proud, haughty, nose in the air. That's why you see it in the world, because that's his nature. The scripture said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to the self-promoting, self-exalting. Verse 3 tells you what you do instead. I say through the grace, through the what? Grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself, what? More highly than he ought to think. But to think what? Soberly. Soberly. 
according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Soberly, realistically. Humility is a much misunderstood subject. There's all kind of goofy ideas about what it is and what it's not. One of the biggest things you can understand about humility is it is grounded in reality. Honesty. You show me a humble person, I'll show you an honest person. And the more proud one is, the more deceptive they are. The more false they are. So God being truth itself and impossible for him to lie, how could Jesus be proud? Because there's no untruth in him. There's no false pretense at all. Now it didn't say that you're not to think highly of yourself. (laughs) Did it? What did it say? Don't think more highly. Than you ought to think, but think soberly. In other words, thinking highly of yourself is not the problem. Mm-hmm. Believing lies about yourself is the problem. <laughs> Believing stuff is not true. That's the problem. Listen to the complete Jewish Bible translation of this. He said, I'm telling every single one of you. Through the grace that has been given to me, not to have exaggerated ideas about your own importance. (laughs) See, people think humility is denying the praise you deserve. People think humility is denying the praise you deserve. If people say, man... That was a great job. Man, you're amazing and you're this and you're that. And folks in their mind think, well, yeah, I did. And yeah, I am. But no, I'm going to be humble. (laughs) And I'm going to say, no, it's not me. But you believe it is. (laughs) You believe it is. You're just trying to be humble. But you're not. You're not. And then you got folks that if they push into that very far, they actually become proud of how humble they think they are. (laughs) Can you see that? This this stuff is subtle, isn't it? It's because the enemy's subtle. And he's trying to weave pride into you all the time. You got to be on the watch of it. And it's part of the nature of your flesh. Our flesh didn't get born again. And if you yield to the inclinations of your unrenewed mind and your flesh, you'll be proud and won't even see it. Do extremely proud people realize how proud they are? <laughs> That's a big part of the problem. <laughs> No. (laughs) Obadiah 3, I believe it is, says, The pride of thy heart has deceived thee. Pride is a deceiver. No, it's not thinking highly of yourself. People think humility is running yourself down 
oh, I'm nothing and I'm nobody and, and, and I no, I can't do anything. And I'm well, depends on what you're talking about. When you say, well, I, uh, humility is not denying the praise you think you deserve. Humility is admitting you don't deserve the praise. Here's some real simple truths. If it was good, it was God. If it was bad, it was you. (laughs) Is that so complicated? (laughs) Yeah, you had your part to play, but you wouldn't even exist except for the grace of God. And you wouldn't have any opportunities except for the grace of God. And when you have an opportunity and you have the favor and you have the resources and you have the brightness of mind and the health and strength of body to get it done and to see it through and it happens. Yes, you had your part, but it was the grace of God every day, every night. Do you believe it? He was helping you so much more than you even realized And so you don't deserve the praise. It's just a fact. And living in that reality is living in humility. It's not that you don't esteem yourself. You don't value yourself. You do. It's not that you don't think highly of yourself. You do. You just don't believe lies about yourself. You don't think more highly of yourself than what's Genuine and, and reality and true. I know some years ago, oh, this is 30 years ago plus, Phyllis and I got a car. It wasn't a new car, but it was a nice car. Real nice, had a lot of bells and whistles on it. And, and we, I drove it to the place where I was ministering there regularly. And one of my guys came out and he saw it. And uh, some other folks did, and they said, man, this is great. This is great. Uh, this is your car? And we said, yeah. How did you get this car? And, and I said, uh, we believed for it. I might have said, I believed for it. I believed for it. And they rejoiced and went on. But something bothered me about that statement. I believed for it. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Well, later on, I guess it was a a day or so later, I was praying, getting quiet, and that came up to me again. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, is something wrong with that? Because, you know, I'd heard that all over. We believed for this and I believed for that. It's just a common phrase. And it's not always just what you say, but what's behind it, the heart in it too. So I thought, Lord, is something wrong with that? And he began to speak to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice now out loud, but inside me, he walked me through some things. He said, uh, you believed for it. I thought, well, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> he said, where'd you get the faith to believe for it? <laughs> How'd you get that faith? I thought, well, it's, it's from you. What did this verse right here say? Verse 3. To think soberly, how? According as God has what? Dealt to every man what? So God gave you the faith. He said, how did you get it? I said, well, it came from hearing your word. And he said, had you heard that word several times before and didn't get it? But I helped you to get it? I said, absolutely. 
I was years around that Bible and never saw that. And there came a time when through ministers and others, you opened it up to me. And I saw that you wanted me to believe for things like that. And we could believe for things like that. He said, not only that, over the course of months and time that you and Phyllis were believing for it, were you ever tempted to quit? I thought, you know, yeah. He said, did I encourage you all along the way? Did I have people preach on things that stirred you up and got you back on track and help you? I thought, absolutely, Lord. Absolutely, Lord. He said, and then when it actually happened, uh, how'd you get the money? How'd the deal happen? I said, well, you brought it in. You did. He said, my faith, my support, my word, I brought the money. And you didn't even mention me. You just said, I believed you, you. I believed for it. I saw it. I thought, Lord, forgive me. That's not right. My emphasis in thinking wasn't right. And he said, son, that's not the biggest problem. He said, that young man that you were talking to, he left impressed with your faith. And that puts him no closer to receiving such a thing for himself. Because, see, the enemy can come and say, well, yeah, Brother Keith could get that and he could do that. But, you know, he's in the Word all the time. He's a preacher. He's this and that. He said, I will do the same thing or bigger for him. If he'll believe me. But he needs to be impressed with me. Not with you. Being impressed with you and your faith. Doesn't help him. I thought absolutely. Forgive me Lord. And I made a correction. And I changed the way I talk about it. Instead of just saying I believed for it. How'd you get it? The Lord. Thus you started off like that. He gave it to us. Sure we played a part in it. But we couldn't have found the door, right? We couldn't have got started if he hadn't have graced us every step of the way. And the more you get to thinking it's you, the less grace you're going to have. But the more you're aware that it's him, the more grace you're going to have. Somebody say, the Lord, the Lord, he did it. He does it. It's him. Start, middle, end it's him it's him it's him him. and that's not trying to be humble that's reality which is humility can you see this saints oh thanks be to God somebody say thanks be to God thanks be to God what's the truth what's the truth the truth is That you and I have been made in the likeness and image of God and we are the sons of God and we have and we are and are destined to amazing greatness. But that's not in and of ourselves. That's because of him and by him and with him and of him and in him. Somebody say in him. In say it again in him. In again in him. in him. In him is different from in you. By him is different from by you. From you. Of you. So 
Humility is just staying in the truth, staying in reality, not getting puffed up and believing goofy stuff and lies about yourself more highly of yourself than what's true and real. So I'm going to give you something the Lord gave me years ago. Four in you realities. (laughs) Somebody said in him truths? No. In you truths. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) Brace yourself. (laughs) Number one. In yourself. You are. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) People said. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. In who? In who? Don't forget those two words. I'm the righteousness of God only in Christ. Not in you. Your righteousness was as filthy rags. Unacceptable. The best you could ever do. Didn't cut it. Wouldn't make the grade. You are the righteousness of God, but it's in him, in Christ. What about in you? In yourself, you are nothing. That's just the truth. Galatians 6.3, put it on the screen for us. Galatians 6.3 says, if a man think himself to be something... When he is. See that wasn't my idea. (laughs) He said. If you think yourself to be something. When he is nothing. What's going on? He is kidding himself. Herself. Deceiving. Tricking yourself. Why? Because it just ain't true. You are not all that. In yourself. I know people think they are. I know they say they are, but you're not. You're not. In yourself. Now, I'm not saying you have to confess these over yourself. These are not what you confess. You confess the in him realities, but you don't forget these. Because if you forget these, it makes you susceptible to believing lies about yourself. Thinking something's you when it's him. In yourself, you are nothing. Number two, in yourself, you know nothing. First Corinthians 8, 2. It is written, if any man think, you keep hearing that phrase, don't you? if you think yourself to be something, and if you think you know something, there's a thinking problem. Right? People think too highly. Of their self. They think lies about their self. If you think. That you know anything. He knows nothing yet. As he ought to know. Humble yourself under the mighty. Hand. Of God. Now. You might have been around for 50 years. 60 years. 80 years. And think you've learned a few things. And you have, compared to what you knew when you were three. But how long has God been around? (laughs) What does he know? Your knowledge compared to his 
would be what? Three-year-old versus a 90-year-old? That don't tell it. That ain't a far enough gap. So thank God if you know something that's good and helping you, but compared to what there is to know, what do you know? About a tenth of a thimbleful. (laughs) Just a dab. Thank God for the dab. (laughs) But to get to thinking you're so brilliant and you're so smart and you're so amazing is just a big old fat lie. Because you don't know anything yet. As you ought to know it. You don't know anything yet. Like you ought to know it. If we live in that reality, we'll act differently. Won't we? A lot of times, you know, the Lord's ministered this kind of thing to me for years. Which is why sometimes you'll hear me say, if I'm teaching and preaching, I'll say, here are four things. I'll say, these are not the only four. This is the four I know. (laughs) You need to talk like that. In every area. Everybody in your profession. You know, maybe you're the best mechanic in nine states. But you got to watch about saying it can't be fixed. Maybe it can. Maybe you just don't know how. Well, if I can't fix it, nobody right. Well, uh-huh, yeah. You're believing lies about yourself. Medical professionals shouldn't say that either. Well, you can't be healed. No, just say you don't know how to help. Thank God for our medical professionals, our mechanics, our everybody in every field. But how many think everybody ought to show some humility? And when you get to a certain place, you just say, don't say it can't be done. Say that we don't know. We don't know what else to do. We've come to the end of what we can do. Because that's the truth. Amen. Right? And there are answers. You just don't know them. (laughs) There are ways of doing things. You just hadn't discovered it. In yourself you. Know. (laughs) Nothing like you ought to know. (laughs) I know we had a visiting minister. I used to teach in the Bible school there. At at Raymond Bible Training Center. uh, Near Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, we had visiting ministers come in. And all of us. Uh, instructors in the school would go out to lunch together usually once a week and of course imagine what we talked about you know and the word and things of the word and and we had a visiting minister there with us and he was great guy he was kind of a middle-aged guy and uh something came up about knowing doctrine and understanding things he leaned back in the chair he said i can answer any question we kind of looked at each other and thought, oh, really? Really? And then we were delighted when he said, often my answer is, I don't know. <laughs> but I can answer any question. <laughs> I thought, me too. Me too. <laughs> I've had people come to me before and want to ask me this big serious Bible question. And I'd pause and say, I don't know. I've had people look at me and go, huh? You mean you won't tell me? I said, no, I don't know to tell you. People look at you like, well, because a lot of folks have a hard time saying those words. Let's practice them. (laughs) Let's practice them. I don't know. (laughs) That's the first time for some folks in a long time. 
They always think they got the answer. No, there's a lot of stuff you don't know. And you need to be willing to admit it. Now, don't just go around confessing all day long. I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> Confess that you have the mind of Christ and that he's showing you things. But at the same time, know that just based on yourself, in yourself, you're not enough. And you don't know. Thank God you're not alone. In yourself, you know Zippo. Number three. Everybody excited about these in you truths? These in you realities? (laughs) In yourself, you have nothing. Nothing. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, Who makes you to differ from another? What have you that you did not receive? What's the answer to that question? What do you have that wasn't given to you? People say, I worked hard for what I got. That's pride. Somebody gave you a life. Somebody gave you health. Somebody gave you opportunity. Right? See this, I pulled myself up by my own bootstrap stuff. is devilish. And it's a lie. I'm a self-made man. Oh really? When did you even realize you were a human being? Years after you were on the planet. Self-made man. If you really are a self-made man, you ain't much. (laughs) Oh, I got a billion dollars. That don't make you much. No, it don't. In a few days, you're going to be dead. Where are you going? In a couple of centuries, who will ever know you lived? No. Let's get into some reality, saints. What's the reality? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. From the Father of lights who never changes. And every good thing in my life came from Him. It might have came through this one's hands or through this channel or through this avenue. But if it's good, it came from Him. It came from Him. And if I don't acknowledge that, I'm a fool. If I want to act like I produced it all, I made it all happen, that is living in a dream world. It just ain't so. You can't give yourself your next breath. You can't keep your own heart beating. You can't keep the synapses firing in your brain. If the Lord lifted his grace completely off of you right now. You'd be gone. I mean the lights would be on but nobody would be home. I mean you, you could not do anything. Nothing. Nothing. By his grace. You've been able to function as well as you have. But that doesn't mean that's as high as you can go. You can get more grace. I said we can get more grace. But it's only going to happen as we develop in reality humility. In yourself you are nothing. But thank God you're not just by yourself. He's in you. He's made you. To be wisdom, sanctification, righteousness, redemption. He's made you to be the righteousness of God in Christ. We've been made to be sons of God. But that's all in him. 
In yourself, you know nothing. But thank God you're not just by yourself. He's in you. You got the Holy Spirit in you. He knows everything. You got the mind of Christ. Right? But that's all in Him. In Christ in you. In yourself you have nothing. Who made you to differ from another? What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you glory? Why do you brag as if you had received it not? I don't like the words, you deserve it. You once in a while we've had folks tell us, you know, if the Lord's blessed us with the oversight of some things. And sometimes people say, y'all have worked hard, you know, and you've sacrificed, you know. You deserve this, you deserve that. I don't usually correct them right then, but I don't like it. Because I like being blessed. I don't want anybody messing with my blessing. (laughs) You don't deserve it? No, I don't. I don't. I don't deserve any of the nice things we enjoy. I don't deserve any of the favor or opportunities that we experience. I don't. Nor do you. God's just good. He's gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. You hear people crying and complaining. His challenges come up and go, well, what did I ever do to deserve this? The answer is lots. <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> That's reality. If you got and I got what we deserve, have you ever sinned? Have you ever sinned? Have you ever come short of the glory of God? What's the wages of sin? Death. That's what people who sin deserve. You deserve death. You deserve to be broke and oppressed and die young and wrong and go to hell. So let's not talk about what we deserve. Let's talk about grace and mercy which means you don't get the judgment you deserved because Jesus took it you do get the blessing you don't deserve because he bought it and paid for it and gave it to us I don't deserve it but I still get to enjoy it in yourself you have nothing everything you got was given to you Every good thing you got was given to you by God. How many will acknowledge that? Every good thing. Every good thing. Every. Come on, everybody say it out loud. Every. Every good thing I enjoy is a gift from God. Undeserved gift from God. Is that trying to be humble or is that just the truth? That's just the truth. That's just a fact. That's reality. Believing anything else is being deceived. Believing a lie. In yourself you have nothing. But thank God you're not just by yourself. In Christ you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And fourthly. The fourth in you reality. In you truth. In yourself, you can do. (laughs) What do you think? Nothing. Nothing. In yourself. Jesus said this concerning himself. And if it was true with the master, it'd sure be true with us. John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine. 
You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can't do much. Huh? (laughs) What did Jesus say? Without me, you are like a branch cut off from the tree. Anybody know how branches do that are cut off from the trees? How do they do? (laughs) You cut that branch off. It's laying out there in the yard. The sun beats down on it. It gets no moisture. It gets no life. The moment you cut it off, the moment it's separated from the tree, for all practical purposes, it's dead. Right? That's us. Separated from him. Isn't it? Without him, I can do nothing. Should we be aware of that every morning when we open our eyes? I don't care if it's dealing with our family, if it's on our job, trying to help somebody or trying to accomplish something. Maybe you got 50 years of experience. Maybe you're top of your field, top of your class still. Without him, you are nothing and you got nothing and you can do nothing. You know nothing. Aren't you glad you're not without him? Aren't you glad you're not on your own? He's in you. And with him, you can do all things. How about those next two words? Through, not just of you, from you, through Christ who strengthens me. It's his continuous, just like the life flowing out of the trunk into the limb. That life is flowing out of Christ into me. And when things are accomplished and things happen and it goes good and we have answers other people didn't have, we're able to to accomplish something when other people didn't quite make it. We're able to receive something when other folks didn't. It's not time to brag on me. I did it. I got it. I know. I had it. No, it's time to give glory to whom glory is due and say, the Lord showed me. The Lord gave it to me. The Lord gave me an opportunity. Right? The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Practice that out loud. The Lord, the Lord. How'd you get that? Huh? How'd that happen for you? How'd you know that? (laughs) Huh? The Lord showed me. The Lord brought it to my remembrance. He did. How do we know it's Him? Let's go over this again real slow. If it's good, it's Him. If it's bad, It's you. (laughs) And if we'll humble ourselves and walk in reality and truth, what's going to happen to us? He gives more grace. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Oh, say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Come on, lift up your voices. Praise you, Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Phyllis, would you come up and get ready to to dismiss us? But everybody close your eyes. Let me lead you in a prayer. 
Let's release faith over what we've heard and seen this morning. Said out loud, Father God, I believe your word. I believe Jesus is humble and meek and great. And I desire to learn of him and be like him. Touch my eyes and my ears and my mouth. Help me to distinguish between pride and humility. Grace me to walk in reality, in the truth, all the time, and not be puffed up in my mind. I ask it in Jesus' name. And I thank you in advance for showing me these things and helping me in it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.